Good morning. Welcome to New Life. Glad you're here, especially if you're visiting with us. Glad you chose to be here today. Lots of stuff going on around here. Thank you for those that uh, have participated in the first week of Stronger um, online and on your phones. And Well, there is. See me afterwards. I'll show you. I'll show you. Um, we had a, a great week. Um, I, I can check the analytics. I can't check what you're writing and all the things that you're doing, but I can check how many people are using the site, and it's a lot more than I expected, um, truthfully. So not that I didn't have faith in you, but um, it's been really good. It's, it's confusing. It's hard. Some of you are going, yeah, I know. It's hard to understand at first until you kind of dive into it. The first week, if you've been doing the Stronger Daily Reps um, every day, they, a new one should pop up every day for you to journal and spend some time with. Um, the first week is very simple, very quick, short, little thoughts to help build your habits. It gets harder this week. There's some challenges. There's some things to actually do to build your faith. It's a little longer time to spend, and it'll just keep getting stronger and um, a little more challenging as you go. So if you're looking for something on a daily basis, if you're like me, and you, you kind of, if you don't have some encouragement, you end up Sunday morning remembering that you haven't really spent much time with God. You know, if you don't have somebody to kind of keep you accountable and a way to kind of do it every day, then, um, then you'll just kind of forget about that. But if you're, if you're really trying to make rubber meet the road when it comes to God in your life, this is a great way to start. Come see me afterwards if you want. Um, I'll be glad to show you how to use it. If you hate computers and smartphones and all that stuff, you're still okay with this. We've got printed uh, daily reps for the entire week. I love you guys so much. I'm working so hard on this. It's taken me forever to get these done, and it's expensive to print and all this stuff, but we want everybody engaged in this. So if you're scared of the web or if you're kind of scared of the internet or if you just feel like you don't understand, you'd rather not use it right now, maybe you plan to use it at some point, but you're a little nervous about it right now, stop by back there on that table, um, a big stack of this week's daily reps, one for every day. Just don't skip ahead. Um, those people online can't skip ahead, so um, don't do that. we got all kinds of things happening um, in this place. You're going to see tables all over the, the place today with names on it. I'll explain that at the end of our, my sermon time today. But just want to give you an opportunity to... Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. It's going to be less distracting for me. Seriously, it's a lot of cake. It's really hard to look at and smell. And there's sticky buns in the oven back there, too. I don't know who did that, but shame... We're glad you're here today. Um, uh, this, this whole stronger effort um, has led me to, uh, to think about our spiritual life um, in terms of a cell phone. And that sounds funny, um, especially if you don't like cell phones, that might sound really funny to you. Um, but uh, my grandmother got her first smartphone a couple years ago. She got an iPhone, and, and she got on our plan, and we helped her with it. And she's 80 years old, and she'd, you know, she's legally blind. She has glasses like this thick. Um, and she's got a smartphone that we're, you know, she holds up and looks at it like this, you know, as close as she can to her eyes. And she's amazing with it already. She's, I get texts from her all day long, you know. She's, she totally gets it now, um, but it took a long, long time, and I'll never forget the very first time, um, the very first week that she used it, she called me um, from her landline, and I said, well, we call her mom, and I said, mom, why are you calling me from your landline? Your cell phone works, and, you know, it's free long distance and free all this stuff. Just, just use your cell phone all the time. She said, well, I'm saving the battery. And I said, what? She said, yeah, I just turn it on when I want to use it, and then I turn it back off real quick. So I don't use up the battery. Because it, there's a, she said, I don't know if you know this, John, but there's a little meter up there, and it shows you how much battery is left. And I don't know how expensive those batteries are, but I don't want you to have to buy me another battery. <laughs> she thought 
that the cell phone had a battery life on it and that you, when it was dead, it's dead. And you've got to go buy more batteries. You've got to go to Radio Shack and get some more Duracells and put it in the back of the battery. She didn't know that in the box for her cell phone was a charger that she could plug into the wall and charge up her phone whenever she wanted. I went to her house and I said, Mom, there's a charger in your phone. And she said, a what? I went over to her house and I pulled the charger out. I plugged it into the wall and it went bloop. You know how your phone does? It went bloop and the screen got brighter. And it immediately went from 20% to 23%. And the more she looked at it, it went to 27%. And I'm telling you, she almost cried. The thought to her that she didn't have to, to be careful with her battery, that she didn't have to turn it on, use it real quick, and then be worried about it and turn it back off, because she could at any time plug in and charge up. Now, now she's completely useful. I'm half the time feel like she knows more about iPhones than most, um, most uh, people my age. She is really doing well with it. But the, the truth is, it's the way we do life. It's the way you do life if you're not plugged into God. You, 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 you use up your energy during the week, don't you? Maybe all day long you've used up your energy and you're just kind of drained all the time. Maybe physically, maybe spiritually, maybe emotionally, you're just drained. Some of you, I see it in today. I gave a couple people today permission to fall asleep during my sermon because it may be the only chance you get to rest this week. This is ridiculous what we do to ourselves. And God says, you don't have to live like that. That He is the source. It's like plugging in to Him. If when you plug into Him, it gives you a different kind of energy, physically, spiritually, relationally, emotionally, and financially. We're getting stronger in all those kinds of ways. But let me tell you this. I'll just be real clear about this. You will not get stronger by going to Barnes & Noble and just reading books. You won't get stronger by just sitting somewhere and thinking. <laughs> the source of your strength in those five areas of your life comes from your Creator. And that's why we want you every day plugging in. If you feel depleted, if you feel depressed, if you feel exhausted in any of those five ways, take this challenge. Try it just this week. You don't have to, after this, you can come to me and say, hey, John, you're a liar. You won't, but you can if you want. You, you, you engage in this stronger thing for five days. We've given you every opportunity to do it. Five days you do this and see how much energy you get. It's like plugging in and getting your battery recharged. It's amazing what it does. So there's my challenge today for, for Stronger. Um, you're going to see there's tables all around. Um, we got a 5K, yes, the first annual New Life Christian Church 5K run, crawl, walk. Um, you can ride your tractor lawnmower if you really want to, whatever you want to do. Um, we're going to do a 5K in the spring. We've got a whole bunch of people signed up for it. We've got all different kinds of Bible studies. We've got different kinds of groups. We're calling them huddles that are meeting. We also need a whole bunch of huddle leaders. So before you leave today, make sure you hit one of these tables, sign up for, for one of those things. They're going to be starting within the next few weeks. Um, we've got sign-ups today. Today will be the last day that you can sign up on the piece of paper. Um, that doesn't mean this is your, everything's closing and this is your last chance to get into huddle groups. These papers are to give us an idea of how many groups we're going to do and when we're going to do them. So we'll get with the, um, the stronger focus group and decide which ones we're launching and when they're going to launch. And they'll all go out on the website and there'll be other sign-ups with a date and time on them for you to be able to know when those start. So we're really excited about that too. We just got a ton of stuff going on and we're ready to get stronger. So before we get started today, I want to get a word of prayer. Um, I wonder how many preachers today speak for 10 minutes and then use the words before we get started, you know. Welcome to New Life. Um, but let's pray together. 
God, we thank you for the way that you have given us a battery charger. You didn't launch our lives, you didn't start our lives and then just let us go and do the best we can. But you, your word says that you know how many hairs we have on our head. You're so in love with us and so close to us that you knew who we were when we were in our mother's womb. And so right here, right now, we give you thanks. And God, just as we pray, we know what's going on with the Daltons right now. We know that there's been a death in her family. God, we pray for Mary right now. Mary, we're praying for you. Everybody in this building, everybody in this room right here, right now. We know that you're strong. We want to give you an opportunity right now to feel the power of God in your life, to feel the power of a whole bunch of people who love you. And I'm praying right now, God, that you would give Mary and Matt strength. That you would give them this peace that you've promised passes all understanding. Not something we say, not religion, not a good idea, not a warm feeling or a cold chill, but a real tangible peace that passes understanding. Would they walk out of here? Would they get in their car and drive to wherever they're going with a peace that doesn't make sense? And as the tears flow, God, would you let her feel your presence? Let them be a beacon of light in the midst of sorrow. We thank you for the promise of what's next. And we hang on that. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. For those of you who don't know, Mary's sister has been dealing with cancer for for a long time, and it's gotten worse and worse. And um, apparently, she just got word that she passed away. Um, Mary and Matt will be praying for you guys. Love you. Oh, well, nothing like. Living life together, huh? Regroup here, but we want to let you know this is who we are. This is what we do. We just love each other. We spend life together. And as we get stronger together, we find out that what we're all doing is figuring out life, aren't we? You just heard me pray it for Mary. That we don't want a cold chill. Is that really what you need when you come to church? You want somebody to make you feel good? You want, you want that? You can go to Hallmark Channel. There's plenty of that. You want that? There are people making television commercials and you can read a book or you can go see a movie. But it doesn't change your life, does it? It doesn't change the way you live. What changes the way you live is when you engage in a relationship with the Creator. That's what changes, real changes your life. But we're all figuring it out. Everyone you see is figuring it out. That's why when you go out to the web, when you see something on the news, you see somebody trying to figure it out. And maybe it's something you disagree with. Maybe they're doing something and you think, man, are they crazy? I, I catch myself in this every time I hear one of those astrology um, commercials, you know, on the radio. So call 1-800-RIGHT-NOW and Miss whatever her name is will tell you what your future is. And I think, man, how desperate do you have to be? But the truth is, it's just somebody trying to figure out life. They're trying to figure out what's right. You know, the same thing is said of karma. You know, I, I hear Christians use the word karma all the time. Let me just be real clear. 
There is no such thing as karma. There is no karma. When you do something good in your life, it honors God, but it doesn't come back to you. When you do something bad in your life, there are consequences for it, but it, it's not like there's this mystic thing. There is no karma, but there, is people, there are people who want karma. There are people who want a reason. They want to find the right thing. They want to figure out life, astrology, karma, the lottery. Some people put all their faith in the lottery. I see it all the time. Every time I walk into a gas station, I see somebody count out $2.84 on pump three and $85 worth of number four on the... I think, oh my goodness, you're putting all your faith in the lottery. I give up on everything else. I'm just going to put all my faith in a whole bunch of percentages. Some of you, myself included, grew up with the notion that if I prayed hard enough, and if I close my eyes and try to believe more, I can get God to do stuff for me. <laughs> if, I, if I really want something bad enough, I can close my eyes and say, God, I can, I can, you can, you can, you can, I believe, I believe, I believe, and if I prayed enough, I could get God to do stuff for me. It's kind of a type of karma, that kind of a thing, where I'm going to God to act like I love Him and that it's about Him, but in the long run, it's really about me. It's one of those ways we try to figure out life but the truth is, what God wants for you is not believing in Him. Just believing in God. The Bible says believing in God isn't worth anything. Do you know that? If you just rationally believe in God, the Bible says, who cares? The demons believe in God. <laughs> they believe in God. They're scared to death of Him, but they believe in Him. Believing in God isn't what He wants for you, and it really doesn't change your life. Believing God does. Believing that God is who He says He is and He will do what He says He will do will change everything for you. And so what we've talked about is faith over and over and again. And, and part of what we're trying to get out of Stronger is a bigger, deeper faith. And I want to define what that is today. What is faith? Faith is believing God. Not just believing in God, but believing God. Believing that God is who He says He is. He says that He is the one who has control over your life. You've heard me say this before. I'm, I'm getting on an airplane today, right after we're done preaching. I'm flying to North Carolina. And there will be a moment where I, it happens every time. I've been on a lot of planes. It happens every time I get on a plane, a moment where I realize I'm not in control. And you can ask Risha this. I like to drive. I'm the one who likes to drive. I'm the one who likes to lead. If there's a big group of people and no one's leading, I'm going to do something. I'm just that guy. When I get on the airplane, it's one of the only places in my life where I sit in the seat and I, I look for the, the gear shift, you know, like I want to put it in gear and I want the steering wheel and I realize I have zero control of this thing. And there is this moment of panic. And God wants you to know that's your life. He wants you to know that he is the pilot. You aren't. As much as you think you are, he is the pilot and that he will do what he says he will do. Little faith is believing God when things are good and leveraging faith for you. Little tiny faith is when you believe that God is who he says he is, sort of. But really, what you do is you, you put him in a backpack. I brought one with me. This doesn't leave me. It goes wherever I go. You can ask Tanya. It's in the booth all Sunday. It's got my whole life in this backpack. Everything I got in this backpack. But the truth is, I, it, it's really convenient for me because I can take it wherever I go and I, if, as long as, if I don't need it for anything, if I don't need the things that are in here, then I don't have to use it. But if I need something, it's right at my beck and call, and I can take it out, and I can unzip it and get out what I need and use it. And then when I'm done, I can put it back in. Many of us, and many of you, and myself included, treat God like a backpack God. 
where on Sunday, you say, hey, um, dust off that backpack, it's time to go to church. And then after church, and you know, you have your chicken, and you take a nap, and you zip God back up, and you put him over in the corner, and you wait for the next time you need him. And then on Tuesday or Wednesday, when you get a bill in the mail, or something bad happens in your life, you go, hey, bring out that backpack. It's time to open it up. And so you open it up, and you, you point it towards your problem, and then you go, God, go get him. <laughs> get him. Like, a, like God's going to come out of the backpack, go fix your problems, and then run back in the backpack so you can zip him up and go on with your life the only way you want to. God will not be a backpack God. So many of you are disillusioned with God because you have been told or somehow been given the idea that what, what you need to do with God is just Whenever you need him, you just pray, and then whenever you don't, you do your own thing. And you're disappointed that he doesn't do your will. He doesn't do what you want him to do. Faith, big faith, is carrying God around everywhere. No backpack God. It's everywhere you go, all the time, he's leading, he's moving. Big faith is believing God even when things aren't okay in your life. It's believing that he is who he says he is even when things are bad. And it's where God wants to take you at all costs. You know, the truth is in my life, I, I have kids that I, I at times feel like God has given me so that I can understand who he is and what, the way he treats me. He, the Bible says that he's our father, and I love that analogy because I feel all the time like I understand God better the more I spend time with my kids. I had my second basketball practice yesterday as head coach of my, I, I have a very prestigious job as head coach of the kindergarten basketball upwards team at, in Bloomington. Seven kids, um, feels like about 30. And um, the whole time there is this thought in me that I've got this opportunity to share some really heavy things with them, and especially Reese, when he's on the way home, and he was a little emotional yesterday, and I wasn't sure what's happening, he's just kind of taking all this in, and I continually want to say to him, even if it hurts, even if he makes him not like me, the most important thing in your life is doing the right thing, it's doing life God's way, but there are times when he's just so cute, you know, there are times where I know I should probably discipline him, but he looks up at me, and he says something funny, he's learning how to do that. He's learning how to, and his, his mom is just totally worthless with that. She laughs all the time at it, but she just can't deal with it. He knows he can say something really funny at just the right moment, and you totally break up laughing. And we're both starting to do this. And then we just kind of go, all right, well, Reese, don't do it again, you know? Guess what? It's really not very good parenting. I mean, grace is good parenting. But at all costs, all the time, being able to look at my kids and say, no, even if it hurts, even if it's hard, even if I'm tired, even if I've had a long day, even if I don't want to have to deal with your whining all day long after your punishment, it's the right thing for you. God never has a moment in his parenting of you where he doesn't look down and look at what's best and do it every time, whether you get mad at him or not, whether it feels wrong to you, whether you look at him with puppy dog eyes. Even though his heart breaks, when your heart breaks, he does what's right in the long run. And big faith understands that. But what does it look like? Not, maybe not necessarily like this guy. 
You see this all around, and maybe if you're not a Christian, if you're kind of kicking the tires on the Jesus thing, you might be thinking this is what big faith is. Wear it big, wear it proud, bumper stickers, Christian bookstores, lots of things. That's, but truthfully, it's not big faith. In fact, the biggest faith, the biggest faith people I've ever known in my life are some of the most quiet, unassuming people, God-fearing people that I've ever known. They, they, they don't need to wear it, they don't need to say it, they don't need to show it to everyone because they live it. And they know it that way. Listen to this. Great faith in the long run looks like great surrender. It's that moment in your life where you're sitting in the airplane of your life, like I'm about to do in three hours. There will be a moment where I sit on the airplane and I have a choice to make. I know I'll have that feeling. and As many times as I've done it, there will be this moment. I know it when the door goes, you know, you hear it, and the air kind of goes out of the airplane, and then they push back, and I reach for the gear shift and the steering wheel, and realize I don't have it, and I won't for the next few hours, and I'm going to be at 30,000 feet with my life in someone else's hands, and not only my life, but my wife's life, and my kids' life, and all your lives, and all of our friendships are all in somebody else I've never known, and he's probably been drunk at the bar for the last three hours. That's the way I think. That's the way I think. And th- but there's this moment where I just have to go, well, i got to trust him. I'm sitting down now. I can either, one, surrender, that I'm not in charge, and that he is, or... I can cause a potential international incident and be in jail by the time 6 o'clock rolls around. And surrender. That's what I prayed for you today. Some of you are sitting in your life right now. You're sitting where you are and you're going, I, I'm in charge, but I'm going down. <laughs> the plane's going down and I think I'm in charge. And what you need to do to re- today is to realize that you're not and surrender to the one that is. Jesus did it all the time. I love these pieces of scripture. You're going to see them this week um, in your your stronger reps um, on the website and in the journal. Um, You'll see these pieces of scripture. We're going to dig them, dig into them really deeply. And I'm so excited about doing this, although it's a lot of work for me. Um, I get to challenge you with really deep things that I don't have time to do on Sundays. So you feel like I go long on Sundays. Wait till you get to Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. (laughs) It's crazy. John chapter 5, verse 30 says this Jesus is speaking. And he says this to his guys, I can't do a solitary thing on my own. This is Jesus, the creator of the universe. I mean, that he is part God. And when he was on earth, he, he says, I, he's talking to his guys, he says, I can't do a solitary thing on my own. I listen, then I decide. You can trust my decision because I'm not out to get my own way, but only to carry out orders. If I were simply speaking on my own account, it would be an empty, self-serving witness now you you think now jesus that's not very it's not very gung-ho you know it's not very optimistic that doesn't give people a very can-do attitude to say you can't do anything by yourself jesus goes well yeah that's not really what i'm after (laughs) well jesus that doesn't that doesn't sound like something somebody can get on board with i mean you don't hear the best inspirational speakers of our day stepping up and their very first sentence to a whole bunch of people who want to hear about themselves say you can't do it let's say it together i can't do it (laughs) That's what Jesus says. You can't do anything by yourself. Jesus says, I can't do a solitary thing on my own. He says, my faith has put me in a place where I don't pray like you pray. I don't pray, God help me. I don't pray, God do this. I don't come to God and say, here's my thing. Would you stamp it, please? Would you just kind of take all the plans that I have and 
Say they're yours. How about that? Jesus said, that's not the way I work. Everything I do in my life, I say, God, what do you want? And then I'm going to get in line with that. If you want big faith, that's your future. And let me tell you, you're going to find out real quick that it will change the way you live your life. John chapter 12, verse 49 says, I'm not making any of this up on my own. Jesus is talking and people are going, this stuff is profound, this is amazing. And Jesus used this as a real selfless um, thing, but when I preach and I make people mad and they come up to me afterwards and say, hey, I know you were talking right to me. I use the, actually use this to get out of problems because I then say, hey, it wasn't me, it was God. <laughs> Take this up with God, you know. Get him out of the backpack for a minute and talk to him about this because I'm just speaking on behalf of God. But Jesus said, I'm taking orders. I'm not making any of this stuff up. I'm doing what God wants me to do. The Father who sent me gave me orders, told me what to say and how to say it, and I know exactly what his command is produces real and eternal life. Maybe this doesn't sound good to you. Maybe this whole thing, you go, no, wait a minute, I'm my guy. I'm my own boss. I take care of me. I'm driving the plane. I'm flying this thing. Then you go ahead. You go right ahead. We know where that plane lands. We see it all over. We see it crash and burn. We see over and over and over people who have said, God, I'm doing it my own way. And if you want to go that way, I'm begging you not to, but God will let you. But Jesus says this, if you want real life, if you want real life, this is the way you lead your life. Now, some of you are doing the backpack God thing because there's no problems in your life right now. Actually, backpack God is great when nothing's, nothing wrong is going on. Because when things are just kind of status quo and great, you can, when something little, little bump in the road comes, you can unzip the backpack, let God do his thing. And, you know, if he doesn't do it, it's not the end of the world. And if he does, then you can, at church, tell people that he answered your prayer. And then you can zip him up, put him back, and live however you want. But when things go bad, when somebody in the middle of the church comes and tells you that your sister has just passed away, you need more than backpack, God. And in that moment, you will be so glad that God doesn't fit in a backpack. In the moment in your life where things are the very worst, you need more than backpack God. And you'll be so glad that He wouldn't be reduced to that in your life. Jesus says, that's, that's all I have to say. is what God wants. Now, wait a minute, Jesus, but what about the things that I want? What about those things? Can't, my mom used to tell me, you know, when I do the... Now I've laid me down to sleep. I ask God for five things that I want to. And like, yeah, yeah. Jesus goes, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're free to do that. And, and yeah, God, God moved, the prayer moves the hand of God, and that's great. But if you really want your life th- to be what you desire in your life, peace, joy, hope, you don't ask God to bless your plans. You don't go, hey, God, um, I'm buying a new house. Would, would you just go ahead and slip that into your plan? Would you, would you take that house and just put it into your plan for me in my life? And, and that'd be great. And then um, FYI, just when that happens, send me, just send me an email or something. Let me know that it's in your plan now, and I'll go ahead with it. Guy goes, no, no, that's not the way I work. You come talk to me. You, you dive into me. You get so close to me that you know where my plan is for you. And you get on board with it. Jesus said, I didn't come to do my will, but his. I'm not saying my things, I'm saying his things. I'm not here for my life, but for, for him. 
I don't know how that kind of message got out of his town. Like, Jesus was so popular, even now, 2,000 years from now, people are still gathering all the time and talking about the things he said. Nobody's going to talk about what you said 10 years from now. Nobody's going to be talking about what I said. People are still talking about what Jesus said 2,000 years ago. I don't know how the message of, hey, you can't do anything by yourself, even got out of his town, except that he proved it. He proved over and over and over again with his walk with God and with his disciples that if you plug into God, if you actually live your life this way, if you don't make it about religion, if you don't make it about something you leave at church as a good idea and sort of as a second thought if your plan doesn't work out, if you give your life to this thing, it changes worlds. It changes the things around you. It leads you to the life that you wanted. People that were around Jesus did life this way, and when they did, it led them to the life they intended to have. Next slide. John chapter 14 says this, Believe me, Jesus says, I am in my Father and my Father is in me. If you can't believe that, I love this, if you can't believe that, because it's hard to believe, if you can't believe it, then believe what you see. Jesus says, believe what you see. These works, the way the people around me are different. The person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even, even greater things than I have done. Preachers love this piece of scripture. Preachers love to, to have this thing and say, see what Jesus said? He said, you're going to do even better things than he did. That means you can go and you can build your own business. That means you can go and you can make all the money you want to. That means you can do anything you want to do. Jesus said it was okay. But that's not the context. Jesus was sitting around with his guys, and I always picture them around a campfire, you know. He was sitting around with his guys probably gnawing on a fishbone, you know. Sitting around, and, and he said, you know, this thing that we're doing, this life that we're leading, you're going to do even greater things than you've seen. Because when you get on God's plan, His plan is getting greater and greater and bigger and bigger and bigger. And when you get on God's plan, you are a part of things that God's already doing. It's an amazing thing. You can count on it, Jesus said. From now on, whatever you do, whatever you request, and here's the problem, along the lines of who I am and what I'm doing, I'll do it. That's how the Father will be seen for who He is. In the Son. I mean it. Whatever you request in this way, I'll do it. So great faith sounds like this. God, what do you want me to do? God, what should I do about my job, my money, my friend who's dealing with this? God, where should I go? What should I do? The way the rubber meets the road on this, I prayed this morning when I walked in here and saw Brittany and RJ I said, well, how's the baby doing? She said, six months. I'm six months along in my pregnancy. I went, no, you're not. No, you've messed that up. No, no way. See, just two days ago, you told me you were pregnant. You're six, you're six months. And that's the way this thing goes. Tomorrow, next Sunday, you'll come in and say, the baby's here. <laughs> you know? And I, it, it goes so fast, and it just doesn't make sense. And I got to tell you, I'm preaching this stuff, and I'm looking down at you, and I'm you can walk out of here and feel good if you want. But if, if you've got a baby and you've got a life and you've got stuff that are important to you, you need to take this seriously. This is life and death. This is peace or not. Here's the thing. Backpack God is convenient. 
But surrender is where the peace is. If you're looking for peace in your life and you can't find it, surrender to God is where the peace is. Backpack God only leads to more convolution. It only makes it worse. If you grow up, your babies, if your baby grows up with backpack God in your house, it's going to be a long struggle for the rest of its life. Because that's what it is. It's like, God, I'm going to do my thing and then I'm going to blame you when it doesn't come out, right? And that's what it is. The peace is in surrender. You know you're putting God in the backpack when you think of him when you need him. That's the only time you think of him. Hey, I got a good idea. Maybe I should pray. Everything, I've tried everything else. I've, I've tried everything else I can do. The next step is to pray. And then you pray, oh God, you know you're the center of my life. Of course, after I tried everything else. Come rescue me from my own bad mistakes. If You know you're, you're using a backpack, God, if you put him away when you don't want him around. I love this. I see this. All my friends become really, really close to God before they take a trip to Vegas. They do. I see it all the time. They put it all over Facebook. Here's what they do. They like to put their backpack, God, on right before they get on the airplane and go, God, give me travel mercies. Because the Vegas people only go, they only travel once a year, you know, or once every other year. So they're scared of the airplane. So they, they become real religious right before they get on the airplane. And they take the backpack. And then they, they get nervous when they get to the airport and it's a big city and they're nervous. They're like, God, stay with me. You know, and they get to the hotel and they're like, all right, God, stay. Because <laughs> I'm going out in the casino now and you're staying here. And that's, that's the way backpack God works. Or doesn't work. If you only talk to God about you, you got a backpack God. If you ask Him to bless your plans instead of seeking His, you got a backpack God. And if you aren't going to live your life, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you aren't going to live your life like you can trust Him for everything, if you aren't going to surrender to Him and live your life like He can be trusted with every single little thing in your life, why do you get frustrated when He doesn't come through for you with that one little area that you've given Him? I'm going to let you know, He will not be put in a backpack. And you wouldn't want it anyway. Next slide, check this out. There will come a time in your life when you'll realize how dumb it is to put God in your backpack. There will come everyone in this room. For me, it was the moment, one of the moments in my life was the moment that the doctor said that I could give my newborn baby a bath. London. Thank God she was a big baby. I was scared to death. She was fragile as can be. Some of the babies around here, I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole because I'm afraid I'm going to break them. And I was so scared of this little baby and I, I put my hands on her to wash her for the first time she turned her head and I know she's just trying to figure out what life is but to me she looked at me and thought this is my dad you know and at the moment I didn't understand that wasn't what going through her head there was this moment where I just went I gotta get real I got I I can't play this game I was preaching at the time and playing the game I'm gonna ask you today please get real if you're using backpack God, just step away from God completely because it doesn't work anyway. It makes it worse for everyone around you. If you're using backpack God, if you're just going to use Him when you need Him, step away completely because it doesn't work. And it makes your kids get the wrong impression of what God is. It makes the people around you misunderstand who the Creator of the universe is. It makes them think that you're in charge of God. How offensive to the Creator. If you want to surrender, if you want to get real, It'll change who you are. Backpack God is exhausting. 
absolutely exhausting. And it's some of the exhaustion I see on faces today. The peace is found in surrender. Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name means you're the biggest, you're the best, you're the pilot. You're in charge of all of it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth like it is in heaven. Your first prayer is not, God, I I need this, or God, I want this, or God, can I shape this into your plan somehow? It's God, you do your thing here and let me do whatever I can to be a part of it. It'll change your life. So I'm going to give you a chance today, and band's going to come up. Oh boy, band guys can come up. I'm going to give you a chance today to, to, to make a big decision in your life. And I'm going to, you guys hate when I do this, especially the men hate when I do this. I'm going to create an awkward conversation on your drive home today. I want you to talk. You got a baby on the way? You got a major life decision coming? You got an addiction that's clouding the house? You got a marriage problem that nobody's talking about, but it's the elephant in the room? You got an issue that nobody really has addressed and given God complete surrender of it? I want you to talk about it today. I want you to say, I wonder if John was talking about that today. I wonder what it would look like if we quit doing whatever we want with our life until we decide we want to let God out of the backpack. I wonder how our life would change if we put God in the middle and we actually did surrender to Him. Please, for the sake of those that love you so desperately, myself included, don't do another season of your life like that. 2014 could be it. What if, what if you change the way you live today? What if your decisions were made not based on how you can get ahead or how you can get an advantage or how you can gain something, but based on what God wants for you? Here's the great thing today. The Bible says this over and over again, that broken people constantly call on God's name. Did you know this? And I, as I prayed this morning for you guys and as I preached the sermon with everything I got, it's in my head. This is a weird thing when you preach. I can think and talk at the same time. It's kind of dangerous. But I, I've been thinking this whole time, yeah, you know, many of you are just absolutely not broken yet. <laughs> Backpack God seems to be okay right now because there's a status quo going on. But I, I want you to remember these words. And if you're listening online, write this down somewhere. When you get broken, I didn't say if, I said when you get broken, you need to know, broken people call on the name of the real God, the one that won't fit in the backpack. And here's the good news, he always listens. He doesn't look at you like I would. You treat me like that? Ten years down the road, you go, oh, please, John, help me. I'll do it your way now. I go, yeah, you gave it up, buddy. You had your chance. It's not the picture of God. God says, no, broken people call my name and I always answer. Maybe you're just not broken yet. I don't want to break you, but it'll happen. When it does, you know right where to go and you know what to do. Let me give you a chance to commit to being stronger. The problem is we we can say today that we surrender and then by Wednesday, if we're not careful, we take God and we start stuffing him in the backpack again. 
And I, I want you to know today that what we are committed to in 2014 is giving you opportunities to be together as people who are trying to get stronger in their faith and all of these ways in their life so that we can hold each other accountable and go, nope, get him out of there. That's not where he belongs in your life. And there are places all over this room. There's financial peace. If you're dealing with financial problems in your life, we have a financial peace class that my wife is going to lead. Um, and hopefully we're going to get led there too. Um, no, and um, we've already been through it. It's been an amazing thing for us, but we're going to offer that as many times as we need to this year for everybody who wants to get involved with that. we got the 5K. If you've got physical problems and you want to you, you start moving your life in the right direction physically, we've got the Bod for God thing. Go talk to Rick about that. we got all kinds of really neat little things. I've got a, a group we're calling called Bunch of Quitters, um, and it's, a bun- it's just a bunch of people who want to quit habits they've been dealing with their whole life. Whatever you need today, go sign up today and get involved with somebody with a group, huddle group that can help you because here's the thing. Surrender is where the peace is. My favorite all-time scripture, or my favorite all-time um, song that we sing in church um, is one of the oldest songs that people sing in church. It's called It Is Well. And the reason I love this song is because during my divorce, it wasn't well. It just wasn't well with my soul. It wasn't well with my life. It wasn't well with my physical, anything. Everything was wrong. And at one point, I heard this song and I started to sing it and I started to feel that it was well. If your soul isn't well today, it can be. If your soul is not well today, it can be. But not by doing a hybrid of part your will and part God. Your soul can be well, well today because of full, complete surrender to Him. So I asked Rick this week, poor guy, fortunately he's incredibly talented. I sent him a note and said, how about, how about mixing two songs together today on Sunday. Could you do I surrender all and it is well together? Because that's what we're preaching. First we're going to surrender and then it will be well with our soul like it has never been well with our soul before. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. He's got this song and it's going to be cool. You know it always is. Don't get moved by emotion right now. I'm going to ask you not to. Don't get moved by emotion because what I don't want you to do is say it and not mean it. I don't want you to just like the music and sing along and bebop. I want you to feel it. Nobody's going to look at you if you don't sing. If you're not feeling this, if you don't feel like you can surrender to God right now, don't sing this song with us, okay? But if you're going to say, God, I I don't even know what it all means right now, but I want to surrender my life, would you sing this with us? This song, I Surrender All. I'm going to be back there. I would love to pray with you today, but you don't need me. It'll be just between you and God. You stand with us and sing this song. All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him In His presence daily Fill me with thy 
loving power Let thy blessings fall on me